Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train podcast. Uh, we are missing a couple of hosts, and so today we actually have a very special guest. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, Cougar Nation. It's uh, Jason Stewart back on the podcast. He couldn't stay away. My boy Jason couldn't stay away. He's uh, he's only missed about, what, two episodes, and he's already come crawling back. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I actually came crawling to him because uh, our other two hosts are out doing much more important things today, um, which means uh, Jason is is back, and he's uh, willing to help us out. But, uh, Jason, thank you so much for, uh, for being be on the here. show. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's kind of been, it's been crazy not to be a part of it. It's been good listening, but yeah, life has been uh, very, very busy for me. But um, yeah, excited to be here today. Yeah, uh, Jason's been out doing some really important things. Yeah, he's starting his own business, which is awesome. Uh, yep. If you know any uh, venture capitalists, send them our way. We're raising funds. So yeah, so it's a cool business idea. Uh, feel free to reach out to Jason uh, if if you have any interest in. Uh, or if you know any venture capitalists who are looking to invest in some uh, hot new ideas, but uh, yeah, this this is a this is a football show after all, um, and uh, BYU's got a game this weekend against Virginia, which means Bronco is back in town. Uh, I'm sure none of you guys knew that. I'm sure none of no one's been talking about that uh, about that this week. But uh, yeah, Broncos Broncos back. Um, Jason and I both grew up. Uh, Bronco is honestly probably the f- only coach really we ever knew before Kalani. Uh, we were both pretty young during the, the Gary Croton days. Yeah. But uh, kind of wanted to get the show started off with uh, a little bit of reminiscing. Uh, Jason, what's your uh, what's your mem- what's your biggest memory from the the Bronco Mendenhall era? That's a that's a really good question. Um... I don't know if I have one specific moment um, of Bronco Mendenhall era. I I just remember the just the style of play and um, just the demeanor of of Bronco. I think is more like what everybody is talking about this week and just the difference between Bronco and Kalani. And I think that like that's the biggest thing. Is I mean. I'm pretty sure he left while I was on my mission. And so I didn't get like the last few years or any of like the controversy of Bronco leaving and things like that. Um, And so like, I don't have bad feelings for Bronco as some people do on this podcast, but like one specific moment, I really, he, he, in the most Bronco style, nothing was very exciting. Just, it was kind of ho-hum, take care of business and, uh, that's kind of how I see it. What, what about you, Joe? What's one of your favorite moments? So I actually have, uh, really, I have two things that when I think of Bronco Mendenhall, I think of these two things. I think of the Tradition, Spirit, and Honor DVD, which I probably watched every single night as a kid, um, and also gray shirts. Uh, I, I think of uh, gray shirts flowing out of uh, players' pads. I'm not really sure why that was a thing, but I just oh. have this like lasting memory of Kyle Van Noy with like this oversized gray T-shirt and Cody Hoffman with this oversized gray T-shirt sticking it's so out. So true. Um, and like over time, like Bronco Mendenhall, he that must have been his thing. It must have been the Banner Brothers T-shirt or something. So I just remember, like I remember Bronco Mendenhall with a hoodie underneath a gray shirt with like Nike receivers gloves. 
that that's like that's kind of like what I remember. Um, I actually I'm with you, Jason. I actually appreciate Bronco a lot more uh, than most. Um, I know uh, if you guys listen to the Give Him Hell Brigham podcast, Jeff Hansen's uh, Jeff Hansen and Garrett uh, McClintock were talking about how. Uh, Broncos impact on BYU is probably a little overstated and like I don't I, I won't comment on that I I but I fell in love with BYU during the Bronco era um, and honestly particularly because of he was so unapologetic about religion as a, as a part of BYU football um, and like I know that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way especially Utah fans I think that's and, and Utah State fans that's what's fueled a lot of their hatred is the, the unapologetic religion but like for me that was super influential in my life like BYU football was like a big part of my identity growing up and so was the church and it was awesome that BYU embraced it was like they embraced me so to speak because they were again they were so uh out there with like the mission like they knew that the mission of BYU football was was uh to promote uh at least to Bronco the, the mission of BYU was to promote uh, missionary work and he did everything he could to, to try and do that um, through stuff like firesides through these you know tradition and spirit and honor dvds so like that's honestly something i always really appreciated about bronco i know it probably rubbed a lot of people the wrong way um, it might have handicapped uh, byu in some senses because football was fifth on his priority list um, and so like, I get it. I really do. Um, but I'll be honest, like, I really appreciate everything Bronco did for the program. Um, but, uh, but a lot yeah, no, like, I, I agree with, I agree with that as well. I think Bronco, I think looking back where we compare Bronco to Kalani and Kalani is a much more likable character as well. And like, you know, hindsight's 2020. So you kind of look like, man, you know, Bronco did all these things that like, you know, the world's changed a lot in the past 10 years as well, where, um, yeah, just kind of the more outgoing, the social media, the the kind of, I don't know, like hype culture sort of thing where people like to be excited. They're trying to find entertainment and like Kalani brings that and Bronco did not bring that at all. Um, but it's but yeah, I, I think that uh, what Bronco did for the program was good. I mean, it was. I mean, he was here for a long time. It's crazy to think like how many other uh, schools have had, you know, what is it? Four head coaches in the past, like, I don't even know, like it feels like 70 years, but uh, in like the past 50, is it 50 years since um, Lavelle started? Like, yeah, and we've had four head coach. So just about, yeah, just about 50 years, four head coaches in 50 years. So, I mean, I think Iowa has had two head coaches since then, but like, I don't know anybody um, that has had like that many. And so like, just the fact that he was able to continue um, and take BYU's program and raise it up a level um, from where it was at. And then, you know, Kalani's done an even better job after, but I, I think that we're like, like, it's crazy that there's not more hype around this game. I don't know if you feel like that, but as far as uh, Twitter, I mean, Twitter, just people talking, like nobody wants, like I, I'm not hearing about this game as much as we were Utah, Arizona State. And to me, this is the biggest, like Utah is probably the biggest, but Virginia was the one that everybody circled this year. Broncos coming back. We want a big game. We should have a huge crowd. But now I'm like, I'm thinking, that 
you know, the rock, they don't really care about Bronco. They didn't even know who Bronco is at this point. They're like way past their time. And so it's not a big deal to them. So like they may show up, you know, in lesser numbers, it's Halloween weekend. People are going to be trick-or-treating. It's like, I think that we are really understating the importance of this game and the, and just how big of a game I think this should be for this program. Yeah, no, I, you're right. Like this was, this was a game that I would, this was the second most important game that I was looking forward to coming into the season. But like, even I feel it where it's like, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for the game, but it's like, I don't know. It's certainly not the emotion that I had going into like, Utah, Arizona State. Or Arizona State, yeah. And and I and a lot of that's probably because BYU was undefeated at the time. Like BYU's, we we still don't know. I don't know. There, there's like the last couple of weeks, a lot of question marks have been raised about this BYU team, and so I think we're this week. It's been more about arguing about Tuiaki and like BYU's performance than it is about the opponent. Um, yeah. But this which, has the potential to be a shootout. It has the potential to be the best game that we will watch all year. Oh, I am so excited. Like I, uh, we'll get into it later, but I, as far as like the nerves go, like I, like Arizona state and and Utah were probably bigger games where like, I went into the stadium and was pretty like nervous walking in this one. I'm just excited. Like I am so excited to like, it's been over a month since I've been in Lavelle Edwards stadium. I wasn't there for the Boise state game, but it's like, it's a night game in Lavelle Edwards stadium. BYU's unveiling my favorite uniform combo that they have. Uh, an exciting offense is coming to town. Broncos coming to town. I am so excited to just watch football again. Like, honestly, no matter what happens in the game, I'm just excited to watch good football because I have a feeling this could be a really, really good football game. I mean, we may watch good offenses. The defense may be which, non-existent. We're going, in reality, we're, that's my that's favorite type football. of football game. Yeah, like my favorite type of football game is just high-scoring offenses. Like the Utah-Oregon State game last week, I know we're not allowed to talk about this. I thought that was a terrific football game to watch. It's just because I just love high-flying offenses, and I never thought I'd say that about a game that included Utah, but like that's really what it was. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm actually really excited for this game. Um, but one other thing I actually wanted to, to ask you that I'm just genuinely curious about, where do you think, like, assume Bronco stayed, what would the, what would the program currently look like under Bronco versus like, what would the program be right now? Uh, Bronco versus Kalani? Oh, I think that's a good question. Um, I honestly don't know. I I feel like Bronco w- would have struggled the past, you know, three or four years. Um, understanding players and getting players to come and and um, play for BYU with under Bronco, like there's no way the Nikos would ever come play under Bronco. Um, um and just th- things like that. I think that he would have struggled a lot more recruiting at BYU, focusing on specific, you know, LDS um, players and trying to get his caliber of kind of like the strict, you know, obedience um, type of people. I think that it would have rubbed people the wrong way. I think that BYU fans would have turned on him even more than early days Kalani and that he probably he would either got fired or found a new job 
by now if he didn't leave, in my opinion. I think, um, yeah, that, that's, kind of, it's kind of, that's kind of an interesting take, but I think that um, his style is good for some people, but I feel like what BYU needed and needs, and especially to get these LDS kids um, from Utah and from around the country is somebody that can connect to the players on a deeper level. And they, and I think that Kalani does a really good job of that. And clearly I'm a big Kalani fan. I'm not a Bronco hater. I just think that the world today is so much different. And I mean, clearly Bronco's been doing awesome at Virginia. He's turned that program around. Like they are, you know, top of the ACC, like top half of the ACC now, which is, they used to be a laughing stock in football. So He's done a really good job with what he's done at, at Virginia. I think that um, I think it was just a, I think it was a good move for both for both BYU and Bronco that it happened, and that's what's awesome. Like it wasn't just like one one of the sides kind of got screwed over. I think that we came out with Kalani and Bronco got a really good gig at at Virginia. Yeah, I th- one of the one of the prevailing narratives this week is that uh, Bronco dumped BYU, and like that might be the case. Like he left, like he wasn't yeah. he wasn't fired. But in reality, this is about as mutual of a breakup as you could have asked for as as far as, as far as like where the program would be right now. So there's actually some, uh, I have some interesting thoughts about this because I measure a coach by what the program looks like in their fourth year. Like you judge a program based off of where they are when their guys come in. Um, Like for example, Gary Croton, when he was at BYU, uh, his first year was awesome with Lavelle's guys. And then mm-hmm. by year four, they were looking at four and eight. They were looking at a four and eight record. Um, Bronco Mendenhall, like, and this, this is where it gets interesting with Bronco Mendenhall and Kalani. Bron- uh, Kalani is in his, I want to say it's sixth year. Is that right? And with BYU, you have to give it yeah, a little bit longer with their sixth. But you so like with with BYU coaches, you really have to look more at their fifth or sixth year to to really determine because of missions. Bronco in his first five years was one of the greatest five year stretches in BYU history, where you had uh, three eleven and two, yeah, three eleven and two seasons and two ten win seasons, and then after that it was eight wins like every single year it was seven eight nine wins consistently and so that's like we know what bronco was he was an eight or and nine win this coach. was in the mountain west right yeah and, and once he went independent like in the mountain west it was 11 wins and then once uh once they went independent it became very consistently with with the tougher schedules it was just you know it was an eight nine win program so like and that's kind of what it's been at virginia as well where like bronco is a great program builder but i don't necessarily think he's the guy to take that next step where i like so where bronco's product productivity actually probably dropped off a little bit kalani's has raised in his fifth and sixth year where now we're getting to see what this program looks like under kalani it looks a lot more like a consistently like nine ten win team with tougher schedules so Personally, I think this program is a lot better off under Kalani. I actually think the the draft stats back this up, where in the in five years, Kalani has had as many. So he's had, uh, let's see, two, three, four, eight. Uh, in his tenure, Kalani's had eight NFL draft picks. 
and Broncos in five of them were last year. <laughs> yeah, but but again, that's like that's when once Kalani has his guys, he's starting to turn out NFL. Those were games. his guys, so. Um, and Broncos nine, nine NFL draft picks in Broncos entire tenure in 10 years. And Kalani's had eight and in the independence era, uh, uh, BYU's had eight NFL draft picks to one, two, three, four under Bronco. Yeah. It's interesting. So like you, you can make the argument that all How? of those, all those guys that were drafted early on were actually Croton's guys. Cause like, John Beck, Brian Keel, Austin Colley, Dennis Pitta, those were all guys that came in under Croton uh, yeah. that were kept under Kalani and or that were kept under Bronco. So honestly, like the program is in a lot better place now than it was even when Bronco left. That's yeah, that, I mean that's that's a crazy situation. I mean, it's cra- I mean, Virginia's doing fine. I mean, two years ago they won the coastal division. Yeah, right? no, I no, they were nine, nine and, coach. They went nine and five last year. They went five and five this year. They're, I mean, they're on a four game win streak, six and two could easily win the ACC with how wide open that is at the moment. Like, but yeah, I think Kalani, man, and we've got recruits like Kalani's recruiting uh, super well locally. That's what oh, I yeah. think uh, uh, Mendenhall didn't do as good in Utah, but Kalani's we're getting. Uh, you know, the best recruits in Utah to come play at BYU, which is incredible. I think the number right now is, I think it's six out of the top 25. It might be more, so, but it's six out of the top 25 recruits in Utah are coming to BYU this year and yeah. two out of the top five. So like if BYU can consistently uh, with the, Co- two, your, yeah. Cody Hagan and ICMOA are uh, in the top five, but yeah. you couple that with, now BYU is bringing guys like Puka Nakua. Uh, yep. uh, I mean, uh, we'll we'll see what happens with uh, you know with Kingsley, the Oregon with State Kingsley and Moala. Like those are, uh, yeah, no, like Kingsley especially is from what I understand, he's five leaning, star, five star, yeah, five star guy, highest rated guy out of Oregon's class. He's leaning towards BYU. Um, so like, how? You, like what? <laughs> So again, like I, I, I knew that going to Kalani the Big 12 was going to have an impact. Though. Yeah. Like I always knew that, uh, that the Big 12 was going to have an impact on BYU recruiting. I didn't think it would be this big, this fast. And like the, the best thing about Kalani right now is he's getting his guys. Like he's getting guys who are not only good at football, but like have personality. It's so That's, nice. To, yes. To like, the Nakua's have drastically changed the culture of this BYU football team where like the Nakua's have the energy that Kalani does. And I love it. Like, well, it's it like, so much it's, fun it started watch. with Jamal. Okay. It started with oh, Jamal. Yeah. <laughs> Jamal Williams literally was the, was a, the man when it comes to having a personality and, and doing well with that. Yeah. And so again, like love where the program is under Kalani. Um, obviously Bronco is a great head coach, but like, the reason I'm not going to boo Bronco on, on Saturday night is because we both ended up better off. Like it's, it's like, it's like when you're ex, like, even if you get dumped, like I've been dumped before, uh, obviously it doesn't happen often. No, I'm just kidding. But like, I've been dumped before, but like, especially when it's like a mutual breakup, when I see them get engaged and I see them get married and have kids and all that stuff, I rejoice. Like when I, when I see them date somebody new, like, 
I am super stoked about that because I want the best for them. But the reason Speaking why of breakups, I think that your ex is like engaged now or something like that is, is yeah, what I heard. Actually, I actually got engaged this week. But <laughs> anyways, sorry. But no, that's like, a... no, the reason I, the reason I can't be upset with that is because I'm dating someone awesome right now. Like who exactly. is. And so like, we're both better off. And so it's like, I'm going to be happy for you. I'll stand up and cheer for you that you're better off in your new place. This yes, is I think, very interesting. I think that's term. the biggest thing. <laughs> I think the biggest thing going back to Brock is like, it was mutually beneficial for both of us. And yeah. if, if you don't see that as a BYU fan, then you must still be in love with Bronco Mendenhall and like a Virginia fan now or something like, but uh, to me, it was easily can be seen that it was good for both parties. Yeah. And, and so with that, with, with, you know, with people missing Bronco, I don't think anyone does. But one thing that people probably that recently people have been missing is the defense. Right? Like, I think we've very much romanticized Bronco Mendenhall's defense. Yes. Uh, tell me about how Virginia's defense is doing right now. Uh, do they even put 11 people on the field? Sometimes I wonder if uh, they even practice. They, you know, like they're like a cheese grater, man. You can just it's like bad. go, it's like Swiss cheese, man. There's holes everywhere. So they give up 200 yards rush, 198.1 yards rushing on the ground. That's good enough for uh, one turn, one thirteenth. Um, they're uh, out of 130. In, yeah, 105 in total defense, uh, 73rd in scoring defense. Like, so people have been really irritated about how bad BYU's defense has been, and it hasn't been great. I would say it's been average, um, but it's not been great. So thank you, Trevor Levitt, for coming up with these stats for us. But I, I thought this was really interesting. So in terms of strength of schedule of offenses faced, BYU has faced uh, the 23rd hardest offensive schedule, and Virginia has faced the 26th hardest offensive schedule. BYU is ranked 72nd, and Virginia is ranked 105th. So as bad as everyone's talking about BYU's defense being, they face similar offenses – and granted, it's been really good offenses. Virginia has been bad. Yeah, I'm. I'm not worried about their de- their defense. And uh, I think that, like, you know, if anybody know has watched a Virginia game, they know that their defense is awful, but their offense is so good that it doesn't even matter. Yeah. So I, I, I I'm. We're gonna spend a lot more talking, a lot more time talking about the the offenses of these two teams rather than the defenses. We discussed BYU's defense at length on last week's podcast and, and what things can be solved there. But uh, let's talk about Virginia's offense because they are really good, but like everyone's kind of freaking out about this Virginia offense and rightfully so they're, they're awesome. They're probably a top 10 uh, offense in terms of uh, yards. I think I mean, they just, Plus actually they sling the ball, of, man. They hit, yeah. they have the, what is it like the most explosive plays? Like the, they're the number one team for, explosive plays in the country or something along those lines and so they're hitting huge chunks so so actually i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree they're actually closer to i think they're in the 30s in yards per play um which is actually pretty similar to where byu is at so virginia's offense is awesome and they churn out a lot of yards and a lot of points but their offense is solely based on volume not necessarily efficiency where they're yeah like they're they're, they average like 500 and 
30 yards of offense, whatever it is, good enough for top 10 in the country, but they average 6.5 yards per play to BYU 6.2 yards per play. So like this Virginia offense, again, what they want to do, it's the Robert and I look where it's just go fast, go hard. It's churn out. I think they average something like 82 plays a game, which is insane. But like, that's what they want to do is they just want to churn out as many plays as possible. And it looks just like what BYU's offense did when Taysom Hill was here in the the later stages of a nice career with like, they were putting up like 110 plays against Houston. Um, So like unreal numbers. Yeah. So this offense is great, but again, it's, you have to look at it in terms of it's, it's a volume where if you can limit the volume, you can limit, you can limit the production that, uh, that Virginia. All right. So our, so they kind of run. So this is where I'm not familiar. Do they run the hurry up then? Yeah. Often they, they like, they like, they like to run quick. It's, it's the same offense. So how, how do you think our defense will respond? There's no, so, it, so we're, we're going no hockey subs now, right? So it's going to be the, our defense that we put on the field yeah. would be out there for a long time. How do you think our defense responds and what are some things that we could do on defense to kind of mitigate that? Yeah. So this, so this defense that BYU is going to come out with, it's probably going to look similar to what, uh, to what they ran last week against Washington state where Washington state likes to sling it. So I'm, I'm interested to see my, my prediction is that BYU is going to come out with a very conservative drop eight scheme, try and force uh, Armstrong to, to make yep. mistakes. I think that might be a mistake based off of the numbers I'm seeing, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, but like, this is going to be a quintessential bend don't break kind of game for BYU yep. where you just, you let them pick up yards between the the thirties and then after that, you just – you hope you can hang on. I also think that I turnovers are going to be huge in this game. Whoever can steal a couple of possessions is going to – you know, that's going to be a huge uh, deal breaker for them. Like if BYU turns the ball over, there's no way they win this game. But if they can get a couple turnovers, um, then it will give them a couple extra possessions – couple extra chances to score i think that that could go far ways in helping them uh win this game but uh i know that you want to talk a little bit about the the quarterback situation brendan armstrong yeah so this so this is so who's really better him so, or jaron hall right like, so this this is the interesting part so or are we on the bench jaron hall I, I you know i can't tell some people like want to bench him people want baylor i'm i think jaron is perfect for what we need at the moment and He's going to win us this game, but keep keep going. Yeah. So the last couple of weeks, there's been a hot topic. I don't know how. Like, no one really wants to bench Jaron Hall, but there's enough people that want to bench Jaron Hall. Nobody wants to bench Jaron. Everybody just wants to see Baylor. There's a like. There's sort of a difference, right? It's like yeah, people like Baylor more than Jaron for some for certain reasons, but they don't necessarily like Jaron is an awful quarterback. Like let's bench him. It's just like, they think Baylor's like slightly better than Jaron. It's not like, yeah, yeah it's kind I, of a weird, I, right? Yeah. I, I totally get that. And like, we're, we're not going to talk about that because Jaron Hall is the guy we all know. We already talked but about Brennan, but we've, but all week people have been talking about Brennan Armstrong. Like he's the second coming of Joe Montana. Brennan Armstrong is the answer to the question. What if Jaron Hall threw the ball 46.5 times per game? That's really what it is. 
like going into last week, it was honestly hilarious. Like Jaron Hall at uh, Brennan Armstrong, Brennan just had, he had double the amount of attempts, double the amount of yards, double the amount of touchdowns and double the amount of picks. But like, as far as their efficiency numbers go, their passer rating is about the same. Jaron Hall is about 142.7 uh, to Brennan Armstrong's 154. Um, yards per attempt, Jaron averages around eight yards in an attempt and Brennan Armstrong is 8.7. Uh, QBR, Jaron actually has a higher QBR than Brennan Armstrong. Um, PFF grades, uh, Brennan Armstrong has a 91 PFF grade to Jaron Hall's 87. So like, uh, they're, they're honestly really close, but the, the difference is volume. So Brennan Armstrong, like when you look at his raw numbers, it looks insane. Like he's uh, 3,200 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, six interceptions through eight games. But if you gave Jaron Hall the exact same number of attempts per game and the same number of games, this is what Jaron Hall stats would look like. 2,901 yards, 19 touchdowns, six interceptions. So like what, what's crazy is like, and they're very different styles of quarterbacks. Brendan Armstrong isn't really going to beat you with his legs. The last week he actually ran for a hundred yards, but like, uh, as far as like pure throwing ability, I honestly don't think, and Brendan is that much better if at all than, than Jaron, it's just volume. So like, and so I'll, I'll let you respond in one second, but I wanted to mention these uh, two where when you break it down by like the type of throws, Jaron Hall is actually more accurate than Brennan Armstrong on throws under 10 yards, 10 percentage points, more accurate on throws over 10 yards and uh, two percentage points lower on throws of 20 yards or more. So like in, in terms of efficiency, Jaron is like, Jaron is about as good, if not better than Brennan Armstrong. He just doesn't have the volume. Yeah, that's a crazy stat. I wonder what uh, place per game – Do you can you pull up place per game? Because my guess is that they average 20 or 30 plays more than BYU does. Yeah, last, last I looked, it was 82 plays per game for Virginia to BYU's in the 60s. So, so like 15 or 16, but – I think that that's like the biggest, that's kind of a crazy stat. And I think that that shows you how good Jaron's been. Like his QBR is off the charts. And uh, I think the biggest thing that we just haven't seen from the BYU offense is putting a whole game together or sustaining drives all the way through. Like we have been very good at getting yards. We, uh, we don't usually go three and out very often. We usually gain some yards during drives and make some progress, um, but we we just never sustain it. And I mean, we could. Jake Oldroyd hasn't been as good as he has in the years past. He's missed um, a few in a row, uh, leaving points on the field, and we just uh, need touchdowns. But Jaron has been. That's I. That just kind of blows my mind. The the comparison between. Armstrong and Hall and Jaron like I because people look at Armstrong like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country he's passing for 400 yards a game uh his touchdown to interception ratio is off the charts but then you you like look at its volume and I think the problem is that BYU wishes that we would throw the ball that many times during the game and have a hurry up offense and be that explosive but I think that that's not the identity of BYU at the moment. We kind of were like that last year. And honestly, I wish that 
BYU would run the hurry up a little bit more often than they do. I think we had a lot of success when we were in the hurry up offense, both last year and earlier this year against ASU and Utah, when we got in the hurry up and kind of got plays in fast, kept our same personnel and just went. Man, I think that BYU can be a lot more effective if they did that and get like the right um, kind of personnel on defense that they want to want to attack and then just go after it. But I don't know yeah. if we'll do that or if if we'll continue to kind of – we're a slow – get. We, we go pretty slow right now. And yeah. sometimes you just wish like big play, like let's just get up to the line and let's go fast rather than taking all the time in the world. Yeah, that was that was a huge thing I noticed, especially during the Baylor game is even after BYU would, would get a huge play uh, in the passing game, the next play they would still run the, the, the play clock down to, to zero. Like yeah. the, the identity of this, uh, I thought this was interesting. Um, again, Garrett McClintock with the stat, but uh, BYU's defense, the average time of possession for a drive for BYU's defense is 177 seconds. Um, and we, we criticize the BYU defense for being really slow, like long, giving up long methodical drives. BYU gives up around BYU's average offensive drive is around like 168 seconds. So like as slow and methodical Similar. as we hate BYU's defense being BYU's offense is basically the same game plan where it's that's, and that's why really they're not blowing teams out is the goal is to control the clock and just be methodical with it, which again, really, yeah. And win games and that's worked like BYU six and two. So I'm not here to criticize that, but, um, but to go along with your point of like how to stop this Virginia offense, I worry about going hurry up against it because with an offense that thrives on volume is the answer to give them more volume. See, I think it's, it's a little different though, right? I, I think that you need to understand is it's pick and choose your moments as well. Yeah. Because a lot of times if you feel overmatched, you're going to slow down the game and keep the possessions to a minimum, right? If you feel like you, like that is the way to beat uh, people that are way, you know, way better than you. Like that is the the recipe. Like if you watch what teams do to beat like Alabama or, you know, they try and slow down the game and they're usually successful for a half and then they get blown out. They get the doors blown out in the second half. Um, and so my guess is BYU comes out and tries to limit possessions for both teams. Uh, and making sure that we're taking advantage of them because Virginia is such a high volume. But in my opinion, Virginia is going to get theirs. And so if BYU is trying to be methodical, slow it down, it could easily come back to bite them. I just think that BYU, there's just something about the hurry up and like taking advantage of like the momentum and the big plays and the first downs and that, uh, that BYU could take advantage of. Um, I think we did a really good job with it last year. Like if you notice um, after big plays, we'd hurry up, get to the line and run run some more plays and then take a breather. Um, and I think it's like in the players' heads sort of thing where it's you get going in what you're doing and if something's working, you just keep going at it and keep attacking rather than just slow, methodical, and 
sometimes it's frustrating like that, but that's my opinion is it's not that we should always hurry up. It's just, we should pick and choose our moments, but there should be points in the game where we have some momentum. Let's go hurry up. Let's get on the field. Like let's get on the field. Let's get our personnel right. And let's go and attack them. Cause this Virginia defense is not going to be ready, like prepared for that as well, because BYU hasn't shown it in the past. And so that's that's kind of my opinion is that they should hit the hurry up in two or three of those drives, which they haven't shown in the past couple weeks. Yeah. So, again, the offensive system is kind of tricky because I'm curious which side of the like they say, like, don't uh, let the tail wag the dog or put the cart before. Like, I'm curious who the tail is and who the dog is uh, as far as like the, the coaching philosophies. Like, is it? is BYU's offense tailoring their game plan to the defensive side of the ball or vice versa? Um, Cause like BYU absolutely has the weapons to be a high octane, go fast. So why do we system. not do it? That's my question is why do we not do it? But the, the, the struggle with that is like, if you do go super high octane, go fast, go hard and BYU's offense isn't efficient, which to be honest, BYU's offense hasn't been efficient. And we'll get into that number later. What's but our like, yards per play though? 6.4? That's 6. pretty dang efficient. So it is, but it's very boomer bust is the problem. Um, yeah. Let me. So no, I agree. I, think... I mean, the Baylor game was the perfect example for that, right? Through like three deep balls to Puka, caught them all, and then the, you know, do nothing the next three plays. Yeah. So as far as, so 50% or, um, 57% of BYU uh, – this is courtesy of BYU Statsman, by the way. Give, uh, give him a follow on Twitter. But 57.7% uh, of plays go less than five yards for BYU. That is the highest percentage That's not good. Uh, since 2017. And it's uh, – after that, it's the well, – I think it's like the – it's the fifth highest percentage since 2005. Like, so like, are you talking all of college football? No, like this is, this is relative <laughs> just to for BYU. BYU. This is BYU's okay. numbers. So 57% of their plays go for under five yards. Only 18% of their plays go between five and nine yards, uh, which is the lowest since 2005 by a wide margin. And then 23% of plays go more than 10 yards. So like, again, it's a this very, is not boomer, good. <laughs> it's, it's a very boomer bust kind of, thing we got going on here where yeah BYU's yards per play is 6.2 which is pretty good it's very similar to what Virginia puts up but again it's so that describes our offense perfectly I think that those stats really show like why we're so frustrated with offense yeah because we are either gaining zero to five yards or or like 20 plus yards and then intermediate there's nothing like what like I think that our offensive coordinators like A-Rod should be looking at those stats and say, how can we get 10 yards? What are the intermediate routes that we can run? Or how can we get people out in space in order to get those? Like that is unreal, unacceptable. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, so here's, here's a hot take for you guys. Are you ready for this? What everyone thinks is the problem with BYU's defense is actually the problem on BYU's offense. Like the, offense and the, the defense and offense actually have opposite problems. Where defense, and we talked about this at length on the last show, where BYU's defensive problems 
are actually more to do with personnel and decision-making on the, like actual decision-making on the field. It's, it's personnel and actual talent on the field is the problem with the defense. The scheme has actually been okay. Um, it's, it's kind of more mental mistakes from young players on the defense. Yep. BYU's offense is the exact opposite problem. BYU, you can't tell me BYU doesn't have enough talent on the field. When you got Gunnar Romney, uh, Puka Nakua, Neil Pau as receivers, you got Tyler Algier, who's a top 10 running back in the country right now. And you got Jaron Hall, who by QBR standards is the 11th best quarterback in the country um, and is putting up a PFF number that's around, that, that's higher than any year Zach ever put up besides uh, 2020. Like, you can't tell me with and, – and, and an offensive line who is the top five in the country in pass protection, you can't tell me that there's not enough talent on this offense to be putting up 30, 40 points a game. And before you tell me like, oh, no, it's the defense's fault because the defense isn't giving them enough possessions, BYU only scores on 39.3% of possessions and 32, 32% of possessions end in touchdowns. That's unacceptable for an offense that has this much talent on it. Amen. Amen. So, so when, when, when the question is like BYU definitely has the talent, you have to look at scheme. Like, and, and coach Roderick is, is awesome. Um, definitely not calling for him to be fired. I love what coach Roderick has done because again, he's done enough to win football games, but like yeah. I'm at a loss here. Like what's, how do you solve how do you solve this BYU offense who, you know what, Joe, frankly, is vastly you go in the hurry up. I mean, maybe I, I think I, the problem is, say... I don't know if this is like an issue, but it's like, we have too many weapons that like we try and get all of them involved almost. Right. Where, cause our passing game, you know, I think we are super successful in the passing game and I will take our receivers against our opponents, DBs a hundred times out of a hundred times. But then we have literally, you know, a top 10 running back in our backfield as well. So it's like, how do you feed Tyler Algier 20 times or 25? You know, everyone probably agrees they should get 20 plus touches a game. But at the same time, like, how do you get enough plays to get the receivers involved as well to go, you know, 350 or 400 yards passing? And we we haven't done that at all because I think the problem is that we're expecting, like, Algier has had some amazing games. You know, we're talking Utah State last week at Washington State where he goes on, you know, Utah State goes for 200, oh, 200 yards. Last week he goes just under. But the passing offense was non-existent, right? And so kind of in the Utah State game as well, it's we can't, for some reason, we cannot figure out how to do both. We, we have yeah. a good rushing game. We have a good passing game, but we cannot have both because the Baylor game, we were absolute garbage on the ground literally half of our rushing yards was the jaron hall touchdown and yeah. like in my opinion what we should do is jaron should keep it a couple more times earlier in the game um because that will free algier up to have a little bit more success on the ground i think because the defense will have to hold you know jaron's running ability uh running ability accountable and then I think as well, we should pass to set up the run. It seems very odd, but we should pass the ball first, but we seem to be a run first type offense. Let's see if it works. If it's not, then we're going to pass it. I think we should do the opposite because our receivers are so good and our O-line is a great pass blocking O-line where their run 
you know, uh, the run blocking is not as good as the pass blocking. So I yeah. think that like, it's, it's hard because there's so many weapons. There's so many things that we could do, but I think we need to just find the, the biggest thing is like find our, our playmakers in space and give them the opportunity to make plays and Algiers should get the ball probably 20 plus times, but if that's not working, know that like the passing game is always going to, to me, like the passing game will always, always work. Yeah. Especially, and especially with the weapons, right? So my, the problems with BYU's offense the last couple of weeks, because it's not like they're not picking up yards, right? It's not like they're, no, I, it's not like they're, they just aren't stringing like drives together, drives. right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of what I've what I've said before, and it's like Washington State was a great example of this. Is like when the offense looked great, the defense like looked horrible, and when the defense started playing yes. well, the offense. We, we just score. cannot string a whole so, game of like everybody like clicking on all cylinders, right? Yeah. So like, what what it feels like right now is like it's Space Jam, where like they have this football with all the talent on in the <laughs> team on it, and only one side of the ball can handle. I can only use the talent at a time. Like that's what it feels like. And on the offensive side of the ball, that's especially what it feels like to your point, because it, it, we BYU hasn't put up over four. I think they've only put up 450 yards of offense once this season. And that was against USF. That was the only yeah. game that's really been balanced. And like the first, and that half. was mostly because that was mostly because USF was just trash on defense, but yes. like, Again, this this offense has the potential to be every bit as good as they were last year, um, but when, when don't don't tell me the uh, the lack of plays on the offense are completely on the defense when BYU's offense they also want to be super slow and methodical, yes. um, which I think you might be talking me into a little bit more of like a hurry up kind of thing where you have the guys to do it right you have picking and choosing as well it's not just like you always have to do it but pick and choose your moments like if you watch last year we did a really good job of picking and choose our moments when we went into hurry up and when we didn't yeah and so again my the the real problem with BYU's offense it's not like they haven't been uh gaining yards the problem is is when they the problem is, is like once they get between like the 40 and the 20, because BYU's red zone offense has been awesome, but like yes. it's between the 40 and the 20. They can't get there this year. Where like BYU on, on six out of, I think it was six out of eight possessions against Washington State, BYU got within the, the 40 yard line, but only three of those drives ended up in touchdowns uh, or ended up in points in general. And so the problem yeah. is, is once you get within the 40, uh, it's, it's always like a mistimed sack. Um, that was the problem against Washington State, and quite frankly, Baylor as well, is once they got within the 40, there was a really bad mistimed sack that either ended up in a turnover or uh, put BYU behind the sticks. Um, and really, like getting the, the problem is, is like once BYU gets behind the sticks, like if there's a penalty or a negative play at all, it like completely, the offense just completely falls apart. So my question is, is like on second down, we're running the ball probably about 70% of the time. Um, and whether or not- Way too high, way too down, high. Whether or not we lose yardage on first down or not. Like, and I love feeding Tyler Algier, I really do. But like the, the play calling, once we lose yards, just gets really conservative. And it it's too predictable. 70% is way too predictable on any down. Where, yeah, no, it's like, 
oh man and that's that's my concern is like the the play calling gets super conservative once BYU starts losing yards um and that might be by like what the defense is giving BYU it might not totally be on Roderick but that's my concern is that once BYU starts losing yardage the entire drive falls apart and that can't happen when you have the weapons that you do yeah I it'll be interesting to see how we respond um tomorrow and uh if the change because our offense has been pretty similar every single game this whole year we haven't made big changes so I honestly don't expect much to change it will be interesting if we get down early by you know even a couple touchdowns um I think it'll be kind of fun to do that because then we'll we'll sling the ball a little bit more and uh we'll kind of see the whole playbook get opened uh, as far as uh, throwing the ball and big plays. So hopefully we're not down early, but it can be fun to be able to see how we would respond and uh, kind of throw it downfield and try and get points a little bit quicker. Yeah, and if, if there was ever a defense to do it against, it would be Virginia's, which is just so bizarre to hear about it, to say about a Bronco Mendenhall defense. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, as far as, like, as far as keys to the game for the BYU offense, the key is do what do exactly what's been winning you football games all year. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, don't get behind the sticks. And for the love of all that is holy, feed Tyler Algier. Um, yeah. And I, I I totally agree with you that uh, like I definitely want to see Jaron Cook a little bit more. But I just want to see BYU get more plays. Because again, like if BYU was a volume offense like Virginia's was, they would be looking like Virginia's offense. Like the potential is absolutely there. It's just right now, for whatever reason, the scheme is moving very slow and methodically for BYU yep. on the offensive side. So, I mean, I, what I think is going to happen is that BYU is going to just try and control possession the entire game. Um, yes, where they're gonna they will try. To, they're going to be content to let this game be 28-24. Um, I'd like to see it be more 34-38, but that's more – that's more just personal preference from a football watching <laughs> yeah. standpoint. But yeah, no, on offense, the key is like, don't turn the ball over. Um, don't get behind the sticks and, and just kind of hope that you can keep up and, and, and string. Prevent- and I think the base thing is like, you know, string plays into touchdowns, right? Drives into touchdowns, not just yards. And, and again, th- what that I think you pointed out like the 40 to the 20 on their side yeah. of the field is going to be key like i i really like that and if we are successful in getting into the red zone then that will that that'll be a game changer if byu can get into the red zone on like 60 percent of their drives byu is going to win this football game yes um and and the thing is like that's not that sounds unreasonable but it's really not because last week byu made it in like made it to the 40 yard line and, and over 75 percent of the time so like exactly. literally just it's it's between the, the 40 and 20. If you can dominate the 40 and the t- between the 40 and 20, BYU is going to win this football game. It's just a matter of can BYU do that, which against against Virginia's defense, they absolutely should. Um, as far as the defensive side of the ball, the key, um, again, we say it all the time. I would like to see them get pressure on Brennan Armstrong. He only completes 42% of his passes when he's pressured um, for – 6.3 yards in attempt and he averages 70% completion when he's kept clean. Um, I actually don't mind it if they try and force Virginia to 
throw deep. BYU's actually been really good against the deep ball this year. Malik Moore has been an animal back there. With Malik Moore, second coming of Kai Nakua patrolling the the back. Also, side note, let's get some more Chaz Ayu at safety. Um, Hearing rumors that he might actually be out, we'll see. Um, But but regardless, um, no, like I, I actually am okay with Virginia trying to throw it deep because Brendan Armstrong only completes 42% of his balls longer than. Uh, I mean, Caleb Hayes has done a really good job as well at corner too. So if BYU can turn it into a game like that, I actually like BYU's chances. Um, It's, it's again, it's the, it's the inner, it's the short and intermediate throws where BYU is relying on tackling and where BYU is relying on their linebackers to be really good in coverage, that's, I think, where BYU starts to struggle a little bit. Um, For sure. So, again, the key is, like, force Brennan to beat you deep um, and and maybe get a little bit of pressure on him. And I like BYU's chances uh, to of slowing down this Virginia's offense. Because BYU's yeah. defense is way better than y'all give them credit for. Like, I know, I know we've been beating this dead horse like crazy, but, like, 20 BYU has held every power five opponent they've played and every yep. Pac-12 against the Pac-12 BYU is holding defenses to seven points under their average or is holding yep. offenses to seven points to their That's average. So good. Yeah. Another, another thing that we talked about uh, the other day was getting Jaron on more rollouts. I think that that would be yes. a really good point for BYU to do. Um, Cause he's more, he, I think he, I can't find the stats. Yeah. I think he's more accurate on the run like than he the is move. from the pocket. Well, I, it just like, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense as well, because him taking off and running uh, is definitely a concern for the defense. Um, And so people have to come up and, and really like worry about that. And so there's a little bit of a little bit more room uh, behind to make plays. Yeah. And I think those bad sacks that has, some of those have been on Jaron for just holding on to the ball too long. Yes, for sure. And so, like, again, if you're if you're going to call the game, like, Baylor Romney's probably a better pocket passer than Jaron is, and I think they're trying too much to call the game as if Baylor Romney's at quarterback, where those sacks are Jaron Hall is sitting in the pocket for maybe, like, a second too long, yeah. um, whereas I think that problem gets solved if you just roll them out a little bit more, uh, yeah. force the defense to keep a spy on them, uh, force the defense to lose an extra defender, and let Jaron Hall – throw on the run because that's where he's actually been his best um i think yes. most of his he's thrown is it nine touchdowns this year i'd like to say six of those were on the run probably it's pocket. uh i mean he's he's done a really good job i mean he's so mobile he's really good outside the pocket and i think that uh last year we did a really good job with zach getting him outside the pocket having him roll out and make throws and i think we need to continue doing that a little bit more with jaron yeah. So again, if you do all those things, BYU has the talent to keep up with this uh, with this Virginia offense. But again, the scheme has to to dictate that. So can we talk about? Um, I think that like we'll get into predictions and, and everything, and we'll we'll jump into that right now. But Virginia is favored in this game. Am I wrong? No, actually, I think BYU is still a two and a half point favorite, but. BYU is also at home. Oh, no, so, it's FPI. FPI has Virginia right. like 57%, right? Uh, 50, it's 52 to – it's 53 to 47. Um, okay, so it's pretty close, but – Yeah, so it's like – it's a toss-up, but Virginia is still favored in FPI. BYU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. 
which at home, uh, Vegas typically spots you three points. So it's a so, toss-up. So really what Vegas is saying is it's a toss-up, might even favor Virginia. Um, but, like, I mean, to go back to what we said at the start, this has the potential, like, all the makings of probably one of the most fun games that on this Definitely. college football slate on Saturday. Two six and two teams. Virginia, quite frankly, should probably be ranked. Um, yeah, I mean, BYU they're 4-0 and in their last four games as well. They're – they're hot. Yeah. So, and then the one game that's uh, one of the games they did lose against North Carolina, again, it was because their defense was just so bad. Um, but uh, no, let's, let's get into a little bit of hot takes. Um, we uh, our our beloved hosts that uh, couldn't join us uh, today. were gracious enough to send their hot takes. Uh, Hunter Miller's hot take is that Tyler Algier will break the top 10 uh, all-time in BYU rushing in this game. And in order to do that, he needs 217 yards. Whoa. So uh, Hunter Miller is predicting a huge game from Tyler Algier. Um, Trevor Levitt's hot take is that uh, UVA will be held under 30 points, which is – which. Whoa, that's, be, which, that's a which, hot again, take. It, it's it's going to be – it's a stretch, but it could be realistic depending Definitely. on – on uh how this the way byu plays and it's not like virginia hasn't been held under 30 points before uh no they haven't all year so the lowest scoring was 30 points against miami okay well this is they've had 43 42 59 they uh actually sorry they they were held to 17 against uh, Wake Forest. But keep in mind, uh, the in terms so, of strength of schedule again. Virginia so Wake Forest did hold them under that. Right. So but, Wake Forest um, hold them to 17 points. So it's, it's easily possible. Yeah. But again, keep in mind, BYU might be the second or third best defense BYU, or Virginia's played all season long. Uh, in played, terms uh, of like offense, it's in terms of offensive strength of schedule. Um, Virginia is yeah. oh sorry defensive strength of schedule. Virginia's yeah. faced 111th in terms of defenses. Uh, Dude, they so have a tough slate too. They play Notre Dame next week and then Pitt. Right. So I mean, it's again Virginia's offenses looked awesome, but they played William and Mary, Illinois, North Carolina, Miami, and Louisville, and Duke and Georgia Tech, which aren't exactly anything to write home about from a defensive perspective. All right. Um, so good on you, uh, Trevor Levitt, for that. 30 points. Uh, I'm going to predict my hot take is that BYU holds Virginia. You know what? No, I'm, I'm going to say this. BYU is going to put up their highest offensive point total of the season. Which That's my be... hot take. I think it's 30... 35 is their highest point total of the year. Is that wow. against USF? Is that, is that correct? That sounds um, right. But, uh, yeah, I think BYU is going to put up somewhere closer in the 38-point range in this game. All right. My hot take is that BYU will have double the amounts on the ground, on the ground of yards on the ground than Virginia. Ooh, I like that. And I'm, what I really like about that is you're not taking a Nakua to go <laughs> – over 150 because uh jason jason the poor guy is uh not no. the man to pick that but i think uh puka will have a big game 
No, I, I actually really like that hot take. Uh, Virginia is not has not been especially great on the ground. They, they're more running back by committee. They don't really have one running back who stands out. Uh, Wayne yep. uh, Taula Papa is their leading back, um, but they really have four running backs who can give them significant carries. So I don't know. That, that could be the case. Um, if BYU decides, I'm, hey, we're going to take away the run and let you have the try and let you have the deep ball a little bit, Again, I really like BYU's chances because Brendan Armstrong hasn't been great uh, on deep balls this year. But, um, you know, let's, let's get into to our predictions. Um, Hunter Miller, is uh, his prediction is 38-34, um, and he has not determined who that will be yet, who, who will be the winner. <laughs> uh, so Hunter Miller with the, the cop out. Oh, no, 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 no. Text me four minutes ago, BYU. So let's go. A, a BYU win, 38-34. Trevor Levitt, 38-28. BYU, uh, true to his hot take. Uh, what do you got, Jason? I've got a 45-42 shootout. BYU. Oof. Last second field goal, Jake Oldroyd nails a 50-yarder to win the game. Dang. Okay, I like it. Um, I am going to predict – I'm going to – we have a trend going here. I'm going to guess 38 – Let's go 38-31 BYU. I think this BYU's defense is good enough to uh, hold Virginia to a field goal less than what Hunter Miller is predicting. And again, if BYU can keep Virginia to 31 points, that's an achievement. Definitely. So, uh, so uh, be sure to uh, write your write your letters to St. Tuiaki to uh, and hope <laughs> he comes through for you on Saturday. But uh, with that, um, that's all we got for you. It's been a really fun. It's been a fun time. Like if you guys wonder what it's like to hang out, like Jason has been my best friend uh, since we were freshmen in college. Um, If you've ever wondered what it's like to hang out with, with uh, Jason and and Joe, my girlfriend can attest to this. It's this. Uh, It's yes. Well, uh, Jason, we had uh, 70% of this conversation yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's been pretty easy to have. But uh, no, Jason and I have climbed many a mountain together. I think we're probably above 30 peaks. Uh, oh, easy. 30 peaks back together. Uh, we've never, we've maybe only missed like five or six BYU games together ever. Um, and uh, we've, we're going golfing on Saturday. So uh, if, you, if you're wondering what it sounds like, this is it. So uh, if, if you're into this kind of stuff, uh, reach out to us and uh, you'll, you'll want to be friends. So uh, Maybe that, you'll want to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but with that, thank you guys so much again for joining us here on the, the BYU High Train podcast. Uh, I'm uh, Joe Wheat. That's Joe Wheat 27 uh, with, again, with my boy Jason Stewart. We miss you, man. This has been too much fun without you, but uh, we understand right. you're doing bigger and better things. Um, but uh, also, please, uh, if you feel so inclined, give us a rate and review. Um, it helps grow our audience and uh, – helps get uh, more people on this, on this hype train that we have with us here. Uh, we appreciate, uh, it looks like we already have 40 reviews right now, all five-star reviews. So uh, thank you guys so much for, for your kind words about the podcast. Um, but uh, with that, go Cougs. Uh, go Cougs. And we'll talk to you guys after, uh, after a BYU win.